Welcome to the Richard Rance Show. This is Richard Rance here every Wednesday at 5 o'clock Pacific time to talk about politics. Talk about politics, whether it be local, national, international, global, personal politics, you name it. We're going to talk about politics because it affects all of our lives. And today, in the second half of my show, I will have a special guest calling in, and he happens to be a cousin of mine as well, but that's just a coincidence. And he is a law student at Georgetown University and has also done work in criminal justice and democracy protection through the Senate Judiciary Committee and other institutions. So I'll look forward to talking to Max on the second half of my show. He's going to call in at 5.35, and we will have a conversation. Lately, I've been having callers for the second half of the show, and it has been very edifying. I thank all of you listeners and callers, and if any of you out there in Facebook or podcast land want to call in, you can email me at richardrant at yahoo.com. My podcast is available on Apple Podcasts as well as Radio Public and the Google Podcasts, and I did post, or I normally post the Google Podcast up on the comments here. I didn't do it today. I've also got a Facebook discussion group called the Richard Rants Show. But that is the intro, and we've got a number of topics to talk about and a lot of things going on in our world. I've been listening to very interesting podcasts such as The Intercepted. I daily watch Democracy Now! with that they're incredibly reporting from Amy Goodman, a well-respected investigative reporter for decades now. So these are very reliable sources of information. And I would encourage anyone to check various sources and compare them. And I am definitely partial to more progressive sources of information. Recently listened to Naomi, Naomi Klein on Intercepted. She talked about how democratic activism may be required to defend the integrity of the election as Republicans continue to manufacture claims of mass election fraud, claims that are false. They have been just attempting to create doubt in the veracity of the election results 
just through sheer repetition in the tradition of theorists who have posited that if you repeat a lie often enough, people will start to believe it. And unfortunately, that tends to be true. And in today's modern world of online interactions, social networks run by algorithms that tend to amplify more shocking information that elicits more interest and response from people, it has been found that false information travels much more quickly than true information. This is an unfortunate result of our algorithmic addiction to these platforms who are in business not to give good information to people, but rather to make money. And making money is the basis of our capitalist system. And while I don't decry the entire value of making money in a capitalist system as an incentive for creativity and to create a incubator for ideas and products, it has gone way too far in the United States. And capitalism has run amok here. And the areas where it is truly run amok are healthcare jumps to mind because as this has been demonstrated through this COVID epidemic, the lack of a national healthcare system and the for-profit nature of the healthcare that is provided in the United States has caused great distress and tragedy in the American system. That's not the only thing, the lack of leadership did it too, but we have found that people who need medical treatment in the United States are not receiving adequate treatment if they do not have money. And also private insurance, also a profit-based system that works against the general well-being. This is something that those of us on the left are fighting. This is something that the socialist bugaboo that people are so afraid of is really there for. We're not there to say that it's wrong to make money. Go ahead and make money. You come up with a great widget that people want to buy, good for you. That's awesome. Make some money. However, at a certain point, you should be taxed accordingly. There should be a graduated tax rate that is actually a graduated tax rate so that the rich pay their fair share. Then we can go on further and say that that fair share of taxation needs to also be distributed in such a way that more than half of the tax money that the United States takes in does not go to an overinflated defense budget with a Pentagon that is rife with graft and is unaudited. And more of it should go to maintaining the infrastructure, the civilian infrastructure, creating jobs, supporting the population, supporting those who are less fortunate, doing things like creating free education, 
free higher education for our populace, yet another area that has been undermined by the profit motive. These are the basics. When we talk about health, education, general welfare, these are areas that are not well served by being mainly motivated by capitalist profit concerns. Currently, hospitals that are treating COVID patients are still charging up to 18 times the cost that they incur to provide the treatments. Why? Because they're in business for profit. And at a certain level, when you're in business for profit, you're not caring about humans. You're not caring about humanitarian motivations because at base, when the profit motive is the motive for the corporation, that's the motivation for the corporation's cost structure, for the corporation's overall structure, for the way they provide services. That's why insurance companies drop people who have previous conditions, who have existing conditions, because they know that they're going to make less of a profit if they take on these individuals who are likely to incur more costs. And therefore, they won't just be pocketing those premiums. That's why we, like all other advanced industrial democracies in the world, need to have a national healthcare system that is given to every individual as a right, not a privilege. That's Medicare for all. And we're going to have to be pushing the Biden administration to do that. The newly elected Biden administration has pledged to increase health care, but they have not pledged to fight for Medicare for all. And that's something that those of us on the left are going to have to keep pushing them for, and we will. That's one of the great things that have come from these latest years of activism with Black Lives Matter, the Sunrise Movement, and other activist groups that have formed in the last few years and that are not going to stop fighting once Biden becomes president, once Biden takes on the presidency, he is the president-elect. And in the meantime, we're going to have to fight this election misinformation that is being promoted by the Republicans and that are muddying the validity of our elections in a very anti-democratic fashion. That is something we need to fight. And out on the streets right now, you've got the Trumpians, the Trumpists are out there yelling about how they believe that their candidate won, despite the fact that he did not, that this election was a free and fair election. But if they make the louder noise, it may be that some of the lawmakers will listen to that because ultimately the numbers out on the street do influence the elected officials. Now also letters and emails, things like that influence them. So I would urge all of us to make sure not to get complacent while the Trumpists are out there yelling and screaming about a stolen election. And although yes, it is likely that the rule of law will come through here and that we will have a peaceful transition the way 
we traditionally have in this United States, which is a democracy, albeit a par from a perfect one, we need to make sure that this happens. So let's not be asleep at the wheel. And this is part of what Naomi Klein was saying on her uh, portion of the podcast, Intercepted, that street-level protests influenced lawmakers. She brought up the fact that in Trump, uh, Bush v. Gore, back in was it 2012, when the election was stolen from Al Gore by the Republicans, they created an AstroTurf demonstration outside the ballot offices in Florida where they were counting ballots. And this helped to influence lawmakers to halt the count. And ultimately, it did go to the Supreme Court. Luckily, we're not going to let that happen this time. That's not going to happen this time. The difference in this election is a whole lot more than a few hanging chads in Florida. Biden decisively won this election in multiple swing states. There's no question of it. Tens of thousands of votes. So that's not going to happen. But we can't fall asleep. And this is something that is a cancer on our democratic system that we will have to be fighting for quite a long time. Because bringing up doubt to our electoral system in this way is harmful to our democratic process. And I'm not trying to say it's perfect. It's certainly not perfect. In my opinion, we obviously need to get rid of the electoral college, which is an undemocratic construct that does not reflect the will of the people. Again and again, Democratic presidents have lost the election in the Electoral College after winning the popular vote. There's no other country in the world that holds an election that is not decided by the popular vote. Count the vote. Count the vote in the country. Everyone in the country votes for president. Count up those votes. The winner is the one with the most votes. Not this adjudication, so many per state, et cetera, et cetera. That's not democratic. Unfortunately, it happens to be in the Constitution because, well, the Constitution is not perfect either, I hate to tell you, but it's what we got to work with, and it's better than a lot of things. In the socialist democracies of Europe, for instance, where they actually take care of their populations and they do provide them with free education all the way up through the upper level and uh, a social safety net that includes health care for all. Well, they have a parliament and that has representation which is proportional by public vote. And as a result, they have multiple parties, not just a two-party system. For instance, that's one way that they did it a little bit better because when they started their democracies, when they got them into their present form, mostly after World War II, they had a couple hundred more years of information to work with than when the United States wrote their, our Constitution. Constitution's a beautiful thing, the Bill of Rights, beautiful thing. Yes, free speech, free press, freedom of religion, beautiful, beautiful things. Let's keep that. Equality for all, yes, because we have interpreted our Constitution in ways that are in attune with the present day and the founding fathers. And when we go back to originalists like Coney Barrett, who's a unqualified hack, but she's an originalist. These folks try to say that, well, we have to go by exactly what the founding fathers meant at the time that they wrote the constitution. Well, the founding fathers, in fact, knew 
that what they were writing in the Constitution was not going to be word for word applicable to all ages. They knew that they couldn't think of every possible eventuality that would ever happen in the future. They knew that that couldn't happen. So they knew that this would be a living document. And that is what they wrote. And that is what we are interpreting. Well, I mentioned earlier the movements that are helping to keep our democracy vibrant and to stay on the back because like FDR said, you're going to have to make me do the right thing because he knew that it's the public that's going to push the president to do the right thing. It's not just the president on their own. It's not just the Congress on their own. The public has to exert constant pressure. Well, the Sunrise Movement is one of those movements that is run by the public, by particularly the most progressive wings of the public. And that is one of the things that is very inspiring to me. And I am pulling up a list of the Sunrise Movement's cabinet picks, which they suggested, some incredible cabinet picks. If you go to climatemandate.org, climatemandate.org, you can see what the Sunrise Movement offered as their potential cabinet pick, sort of a dream team for the Biden administration. And you know that that's not going to happen. And But what this can be is a suggestion, and hopefully some of these picks will get in there. People like Deb Holland for Secretary of Interior, Barbara Lee, a local hero, heroine here in the San Francisco Bay Area, who is the only member of Congress to stand up to the Bush administration when they tried to push through an authorization of force which would allow them to invade Iraq. She was the only one in Congress who voted against it. She's an incredibly brave and principled member of our Congress. Yes, Barbara Lee should be Secretary of State. Please, their second choice, Rocano from California, would make also an excellent choice. They want Secretary of Treasury Elizabeth Warren. That would be fantastic. Their third place pick is Robert Reich from Berkeley, an incredible progressive voice and who was previously the Secretary of Labor uh, under Clinton, but he's a whole lot more progressive than Clinton. That's uh, Bill Clinton, of course. Keith Ellison for Attorney General. Yes, please. Larry Krasner, who's the DA of Philadelphia, incredibly progressive DA in favor of social justice, controlling the police, prosecuting bad cops, reforming the police. Incredible. Former defense attorney kind of like our current district attorney here in San Francisco, Chesa Boudin. Awesome. Check out Chesa Boudin's Facebook Live tomorrow at noon. Chesa Boudin, our district attorney, our incredibly progressive district attorney, also in favor of social justice, fighting against the carceral system, the prison industrial complex that also runs on profit. There's another area where profit is not something that should be running our prison complexes. That should be based on justice, not profit. There's another area. There are certain areas that the capitalist system cannot be allowed to impinge on human rights, on basic decency. These are the areas of our 
system that need to be reformed, where we need to include justice, social justice, make sure that everyone's fed and housed and receives health care. That should be left up to capitalists whose main concern is for how much money they can make. So you want someone deciding your medical needs based on how much money they can make? Not me. That's not what I want my doctor to be thinking about, how much money they make when they just decide what to prescribe or what treatment to give me. No, thank you. I want that decided based on what the best treatment is. I don't want the profit motive to be there. In England, where they have their Department of Public Health, their uh, National Health Service, the NHS, they love their National Health Service. Why? Because it takes care of everybody and it's not dependent on the profit motive. The doctors there are not getting rich. Although, yes, they do have some doctors who cater to the rich, so certain doctors can get rich, but most of the doctors there are public servants. They live a good life, and that's the same in other countries, Scandinavia, for instance, Germany, where they have national health care. The doctors, being a doctor is not something where you're going to get super rich, but you will live a very comfortable life, a very comfortable, what we would think of as upper middle class life, and that's quite good enough. And that's all you need. And they serve the public. They serve the, the public good. It is a humanitarian system. Yeah, the Sunrise Movement suggested Joseph Stiglitz, uh, economist at the Roosevelt Institute for the National Economic Council. Bernie Sanders for Secretary of Labor. Yes, please. Now, I am not sanguine about Bernie Sanders' ch uh, chances of getting that slot because this nation has this irrational fear of that bugaboo of socialism. You mentioned the word socialism and fear invades the American public. Even though what it means is basically what I've been talking about, where people have a humanitarian base of services that is provided through the taxation of the public with a graduated taxation where the wealthiest corporations and the wealthiest individuals pay the most taxes to help to support the poorest. To me, that is just basic decency. That is not rocket science to me. That seems logical. But somehow, it doesn't necessarily fly with the American public. It works elsewhere. Well, the Sunrise Movement suggested Dr. Mustafa Santiago Ali for the EPA administrator. He'd be a fantastic choice. That would be probably way too radical for the Biden administration. Meanwhile, the moderate Democrats have been raising a fuss and saying that the left-wing demands to defund the police and perhaps the demands for Medicare for all are have been hurting Democratic candidates and they're pushing to move more to the moderate direction. So this is the push and pull that we have in the Democratic Party, which is the opposition party to the Republican Party. Republicans who are just straight up the party of the rich and the racist, that's what they're about. So this is what we've got in our two-party system. We have a choice of the party of the rich and the racists, 
or we have the choice of the Democratic Party, which seems to be pulled between, on the one hand, the more populist, humanitarian, sort of leftward-leaning activism of those who wish to create a better world, a better country for everyone, including those who are less privileged and those who are poor and maybe suffering. And then you've got the other side of the Democratic Party, which is those wealthy donors of the Democratic Party. And they are obviously more tilted towards the money. And they don't always agree. And so there's this push and pull between the two sides of the Democratic Party that we're always fighting with. And that's an ongoing fight. But luckily, we have these activist organizations now in place, such as the Sunrise Movement, Black Lives Matter, that are going to keep pushing. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Rashida Tlaib. Well, wouldn't she be an awesome choice for the cabinet? Jesus Chuy Garcia for Secretary of Transportation. Secretary of Health and Human Services, Representative Pramila Jayapal. This is a dream scene. Or how about Dr. Abdul Al-Sayed, who's chair of South Paul, Michigan? Amazing, amazing possibilities. And we can hope that the Biden administration will move in that direction for at least some of the picks for the upcoming cabinet. And we have to also make sure that this upcoming cabinet actually winds up happening and that the extreme right Republicans who might dream of some sort of anti-democratic coup, but that can't, you know, those are the extreme right Republicans. But the Republicans, as I said, are the party of the rich and the racists. They're really the party of the rich and they just pander to the racists. And yeah, many rich people are racist, not all of them. Most of them happen to be white. Yes, that's true. But yes, the Republican Party is the party of the rich and the racists. And of course, the most influence in the Republican Party is with the money. Generally, the most influence is with the money, but their base is this racist far right wing base. Well, you could you could argue with me about that, but I, I, I'm pretty confident that that is an accurate assessment. So because they're the party of the rich, at the top there, they really don't want to rock the American boat so much that there is an anti-democratic coup because that would hurt their precious markets and cause upheaval that would hurt the economy. So just from their own self-interest, the rich members of the Republican hierarchy ultimately probably will not support an outright coup. But they do support the undermining of the confidence in the electoral system and in the confidence in the mandate of the Biden-Harris ticket. Well, this ticket has got to jump in with both feet when they start and immediately start benefiting the American public. They've got a pretty good start by nominating a science-based COVID task force. So that is excellent. They're also going to have to 
they're also going to have to start immediately taking steps to provide for free education and to move to make sure that health care is a right for all. These are steps that they're going to have to take. And I am just getting a message from my second half guest, Max, who I introduced earlier, is a person who is a law student who is doing work in criminal justice and democracy protection through the Senate Judiciary Committee and other institutions. He has recently been posting about misinformation and how to counter misinformation. So hopefully we will have him on for the second half of the show, but he did just give me a message that he came up with a personal issue, emergency, nothing life-threatening that he's going to have to deal with and may not make it. So I am about to wrap up the first half of my show and I will let you know whether Max will be on for the second half. Please stay with me. I am going to put on the theme music. I thank those of you who listened and who will listen. Please check out the podcast, which is on Apple and Spotify and Google Podcasts, Richard Rants, R-A-N-T-S. And it is posted every Thursday. The live show is every Wednesday. Rant and resist. Peace and love. Thank <laughs> you.